I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. So we're back with another WOCast and it's good to be back having viewed, uh, well, weekends worth of fights. UFC on ABC, Holloway versus Cater took place over this past weekend. But joining me as usual to talk about this and more, it's G. Hey, 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 hey. What's going on? What have you been up to? Not much. Excited. Fights are back. You know, I'm refreshed or whatever. And um, happy to be here to discuss a bunch of stuff with you. So let's let's go. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Tell me about it. You know, before we get into the ABC, um, UFC on ABC, sorry, Holloway versus Cater, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind picking your brains ever so slightly, getting your take on the big reveal, well, the um, kind of like damp squib or <laughs> punctured balloon, as it were. In the week, Dana White was pictured and was uh, videoed mm-hmm. talking to um, Khabib the Mega Madoff. Now, it looked pretty, pretty slick the way that they actually put that video together. It looked like them some big power moves, some big power meeting was about to take place. It looked like some long, arduous negotiations were about to um, be rolled out. But it looked as though, just from yesterday's broadcast and the, the big reveal, having been kind of like, I suppose condensed into this Khabib is going to have a look at UFC 257 and if there are any standouts from that that will determine whether he comes back or not now talk about an announcement about an announcement about forthcoming announcement because <laughs> we know further forward what did you make of it um I make that it's all lies um I don't believe a word <laughs> I don't I don't believe a word Dana said and first and foremost mm. I thought it was hilarious that they actually set up like a promo around this meeting like as you described like I yeah. thought that was pretty silly because everybody except for Dana knows that Khabib is not coming back so to set up production around it was pretty funny and also too it seems maybe Dana is confused that he just can't buy this guy out like his mother said he can no longer fight and that's what he's going to honor and also he's done everything that he's wanted to do like you can't move him on that so when I saw the meeting and the promotion I just rolled my eyes but when Dana came out of there and said oh you know, if Khabib says that if he's impressed by Charles Oliveira and, and and the other, you know, lightweights, he might come back. And that's when I was like, brother, you mm. lying. He ain't say that shit. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't say that. <laughs> but, y- you know, you know something. Mm. What I like, though, is that is typical Dana. That mm-hmm. is typical promoter. That is typical promotion yeah. 101. Keep on stringing people along. Keep yes. on telling the story. And to do that on a national broadcaster because I understand from where I'm sat at the moment I mean okay I don't get the nuances because to me national broadcaster or big broadcaster over here is BBC Mm -hmm. but I take it that ABC is a big deal right yeah yeah huge so that on a national broadcaster weaving that story 
you're bringing in some new fans, you're bringing in yeah. some new eyes, you're bringing in some new interests. Surely, if you're stringing them along too. Yeah. So, you know, kudos to Dana. He knows what he's doing. Exactly. Like, I rolled my eyes, but at the same time, I was like, Dana is a motherfucking promoter. He put the lights mm. on for a meeting for an international star for an <laughs> ABC card. Superb. You know what I mean? Like, I'm talking shit, yeah. but I know what he's doing, and it's hilarious. Even, even though I'm like, oh, yeah, he's lying. Yes, of course he is. I'm sure Khabib was like, Dana again I'm not coming back but Dana is not going to come out of that meeting and be like he said no again guys nah he's going to you know just embellish (laughs) a little bit and just say you know if he's impressed with their performances he might come back and Mike guess what that Mm -hmm. does it gets Oliveira and Gaethje and all the contenders in that division kind of like you know foaming at the mouth and perhaps they'll put on an even better performance if they believe that so it's 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 business all around and it's pretty fucking smart but I don't believe him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, speaking of smart performances and good performances, let's delve into the prelims first mm-hmm. off. In all honesty, I would have lapped this up if it was lackluster from top to bottom and bottom to top because I was thirsty, I was hungry, I was craving mm-hmm. for some MMA. But to be honest with you, the opening stanza in that is Jacob Kilburn versus Austin Lingo. For me... That first was satiated. I really enjoyed this. Chris 1-2 combinations had me kind of like foaming at the mouth because Dan Hardy coming into this Mm -hmm. was saying that, look, this is going to be a thing of beauty. You are so lucky to be, you know, coming in at this point if you don't usually watch the prelims. I mean, usually I I think that kind of speaks to me, but I was invested because I'm tired of the ass whooping that you give me week in, week out because (laughs) I don't actually watch the prelims. Now, for me, the Chris... Uh, one-two combinations coming from Lingo. Man, I mean, what a way to actually start off a card. Whilst Austin didn't actually um, live up to his name, lights out. Um, (laughs) Kilburn, I have to say, should be commended on the punishment he took because those one-two combinations that, you know, Lingo was actually dishing out, man, they look painful. They really were accurate and were finding their mark every single time. So, to start off the card with this, good call. And speaking of Dan Hardy, I know I give him loads and loads of shit. I know that, you know, we've uh, said harsh words about him previously, but you cannot dispute the man knows a thing or two about analysis, a thing or two about commentary. He was calling things before they were actually taking place, when things were being set up, and he was spot on when he said, look, this is one to watch. You are lucky. What did you make of it? I think, um, well, first and foremost, I need to hang my head in shame because I only caught glimpses of this fight. The prelim queen missed the opening prelim. And then on top Damn. of it, I jumped in for Sarah Morris and Vanessa Mello, which was just a shitty ass fight. So I have the totally different mm-hmm. experience as, as far as an opener between me and you. But what I did catch yeah. a glimpse of was Jacob Kilburn eating some hard shots, but also come like Ooh. seeing like the momentum shifts in this fight somewhat. I do remember yeah. that. But I will say this, Dan Hardy was refreshing to hear last night. And I suspect yeah. that Dan Hardy does a lot of research and you can see it. And that's why he can call things out because he does his homework. It sounds like he's at home mm-hmm. studying every nuance and every facet of each fighter, what they've done, their past, and he brings it together beautifully. So I trust him. And it's like, com- <clears throat> 
excuse me, compare him to Dominic Cruz. Like they all have good aspects when they're commentating, but Dom Cruz always likes to predict what's going to happen and it's wrong. But meanwhile, Dan Hardy, because of that research, (laughs) I think he nails it. So I've forgiven him for all the stuff that, you know, he, you know, he's not perfect. He's definitely gotten on my nerves, but I was happy to hear him last night. And I've forgiven him for his little rants and when he gets upset, like bring Dan Hardy back and more often, please. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But Mike. I'm going to pause that, huh? I have a question for you. Go for it. Did you watch this um, debacle of a fight, Sarah Morris and Vanessa Mello? It's so bad, I feel like we need to talk about it. <laughs> it was pretty horrendous. Oh, it my was. God. Um, if, if this were something that you tuned into, and um, uh, f- thank God this wasn't on it, That was my ABC, experience, but yeah. It, it would have me switching off if I was actually um, tuning in for the first yeah. time. Like I say, personally, from a personal point of view, I'm going to be real with uh-huh. you. I could have watched this type of fight all day only because I was hungry. I, I, I would have watched, you know, two dogs fight. Right. To be honest with you, it got to that stage. So I, I hear you when you say this wasn't uh, the best. Right. But, but you take was it away. Thirsty. Give me yeah. your interpretation. You was, you was so thirsty for the fight. You was like, fuck it, I'll take it. But my experience with this was that this was my opener to the, to the you know, the mm. fight. And this is my welcome back. And I was like, this fight is not hitting at all. First of all, you know, Sarah Morris, her game plan and the way she was fighting was absolutely horrendous. And even Daniel Cormier was getting in her ass, but politely. She yeah. was basically running the whole time and she was only um, offering counters. So she was never leading first. She never switched up from the game plan and she almost seemed to be scared of M- Vanessa Mello's power. Then you have Vanessa Mello cutting her off to do absolutely nothing, just waiting for the power shot. Like, <laughs> girl, if you're going to cut her off, hit her. Throw combinations. Like, I just felt like I was, you know, Sarah was running in circles and Vanessa Mello was doing nothing except landing some hard shots on occasion and it went on and on and not how I wanted to start my night. And ladies, I mean, I'm happy Mello got a win because she's not going to get cut, but please go back to the drawing board and just figure some shit out, man. (laughs) Fuck. But, you know, the prelims just wasn't popping for me, but the main card when we get into it, 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 you know, it it was killer. What about you? You know, you, you say that you say the prelims wasn't popping, but for me, again, maybe I, I was that thirsty that everything looked like diamonds to me. Mm-hmm. But um, Carlos Felipe and Justin Taffa, I have to say, it started off slow and leisurely, and uh, it was obviously going to be a stand-up clash. But I was surprised at the pace. Okay, these two were two heavyweights, and um, it seemed as though their aggression. Um, was born out in their tattoos because <laughs> their fighting style this slow and leisurely style uh-huh. mate they could have done a lot better than that but you know heading into the third round damn did they wake up mm-hmm. Felipe basically was like just it, it was almost as though they were touching foreheads and yeah. they just said you know what let's go for it then let yep. it, let's just slug it out here and now because that onslaught towards the end of the round was just incredible yeah. the end of the third though man they literally just pressed their foreheads together and just swung yeah yeah and definitely amazing it was it, you know at first I was like oh goddamn heavyweights and I'm not a fan of heavyweights and then I got bored at first and then I started to get sucked in when Felipe started talking that trash waving his hands forward and it seemed to be that both gentlemen fell in love with the cadence of the fight and they literally just wanted to one-up each other 
You know, like there was no like strategy or anything. It was like, oh, you hit me two times, I hit you four times. You know what I'm saying? So they were going back and forth. But my only criticism is that, you know, I thought Tafa won the fight, but I don't care that, you know, he didn't win it technically because at some point somebody has to be like, let me get out of this cadence. Let me try to get a takedown. Justin Tafa got one in the third Mm -hmm. round, but somebody has to to fight to win the fight now. Like get out of that cadence and stop measuring each other and doing the toe-to-toe bullshit and somebody go for the takedown someone go for a trip someone get some more points someone get in the clinch there because it just seemed to be like they wanted to one-up each other and their egos were intertwined so that's why you had a little bit of controversy some people thought Felipe won and some people were like me and thought Tafa won but I don't care that's what happens when you go toe-to-toe and let your ego get involved nobody was fighting to win you know, mm. but great mm. fight. It was entertaining, and it got better as the rounds went on. So I have no complaints. Yeah, no complaints. Yeah, yeah. Just before we leave the prelims, I'm sure you've got one more that you want to talk about. Oh yeah, we can't leave without you know talking about um, a newcomer on the scene in the women's bantamweight division, which is Jocelyn Edwards, and she um, comes from Panama. And I will say this, Mike: what sucked me into this fight was her walkout. It was intense. I was dialed in immediately because mm. she looked hella appreciative of the moment. You could tell that she worked hard to be there and it was finally like happening. You could see it all in her face and how she was coming out. And I think she had felt like she had Panama on her back because, you know, she's the first Panamanian fighter in the UFC, I believe. So she even looked yeah. nervous. It was just like, oh, this is interesting. And then um, I'm familiar with Yanan Wu, um, but... She has that kind of career, Mike, where she's hot or cold, hot or cold, win or lose, win or lose, and she's coming off a loss. Mm. So when they got in there together, Jocelyn was the better fighter um, all the way. The striking was better. I even saw her do some type of double up kick, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that was dope. What was that? Yeah, what was that? that? Thanks. The the, the double donkey kick. Yeah, like that was kind of fly. I liked it. It shows that she's thinking on her back and on her feet, you know what I'm saying? And then... I love yeah. I love the scrambles. I love the fight for the armbar. In the what second round, they just for one whole minute, it was like I'm gonna armbar yeah. you. No, you're not. And then I'm gonna hit this switch, and we're gonna scramble. I love that. And I think Jocelyn has a lot of potential in this division. I don't want to say you know she's gonna be a future champ or anything, but the fans warmed up to her, and I can't wait to see her again. I don't know. Did you do any um, research on her in terms of her background? Because I have to say, she just came from nowhere for me. This was like, wow, who's this? Exactly. But I did this morning do a little, little research. Not just the tip of the iceberg. I'm going to do more. But I did like, you know, she's from MMA Kings. I, You know, I do like that. You know, I did notice that she lost to Sarah Alpar, which is someone that came up from the Contender Series. And... That is the girl that Jessica Rose Clark just recently waxed her ass and outclassed her. So Uh. I was like, oh, damn, if you lost to Sarah Alper, I was a little like, is she is she any good? But then, Mike, you can't always Mm. use MMA math. So I kind of had to toss that loss to the side and see that, you know, she's she's pretty uh, well-rounded and she's got a lot of wins in her, her pro career. So we'll see how she does with UFC competition. But I was happy with her Hmm. debut, but I do have more research to do. But I'm excited. Mm -hmm. And I did notice on my feed, Mike, the, I don't know about Mm. you, but stateside, there was a little buzz for her. The fans warmed up to her. They liked what they saw. I didn't actually see that, to be honest with you. I didn't really, really get the, 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 I I mean, I saw, obviously you were really, really high on her. You you, you liked her a lot. I could see that. 
Um, but no, on, on my feed, I didn't really see anything too substantial, to be honest with you. Yeah. But no, you're, you're right. She's definitely one to watch. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I like that some folks on my feed, like when I posted about her, they seemed equally as, you know, excited. So Enthusiastic. We'll, yeah, so yeah. we'll see what happens. And then, you know, Wu Yan has got to take this L, but she'll probably win the next one because that seems to be her pattern. So we'll see. Hmm. You know, going into this main card, mm-hmm. imagine now, imagine you're Dana White with all of the stress, the strains, and the whole COVID riding in the background, but to deliver like this in such a massive way. What an incredible home run. This main card delivered like no other, and especially, you know, it being on, <clears throat> excuse me, ABC. You know, just for for my benefit, mm-hmm. as well as our UK um, listeners, what is so special about ABC and what's the significance of um, MMA being on ABC? I mean, ABC is just like historically this huge ass network in the States, you know, like <laughs> the news, everything that comes out of it is just, and it's been around for decades. So if UFC is on ABC, it is reaching a lot of new viewers. And also just ah. that is hella mainstream. Do you understand? Like, that's not, wow, that's, it's hella mainstream. It's a big deal in the States. So basically having this beautiful card and having all this excitement on it probably was a Mm. home run for the um, UFC between the knockouts, the, you know, the, the talking shit by Max, the, you know, the people being flattened out. And then the fun fight between Carlos Conda and Matt Brown. This was perfect for an ABC debut. Huge. Did you think that there was an element of the refs being on their P's and Q's and, and, and stepping in as soon as things got a bit hairy? Because when you look at uh, Punahele Soriano and Disco Todorovic, the way that that finished and the way it finished really, really quick and, you know... <laughs> In any other normal night, maybe that would have gone on a little bit longer because, okay, he was dropped by several clean shots twice. But, you know, I can imagine that this is fantastic viewing for their network to actually showcase and this to actually start. And I I personally thought it was a great stoppage by her. But did you think it was ever so slightly early? No, I think Herb Dean saw more of what me and you saw and the viewers saw. Like... Dusko was well on his way to getting knocked out. I was quite shocked at him leaning backwards and always moving backwards defensively in a straight line and putting his back against the cage every time Soriano threw a punch. I was like, yo, you're becoming predictable. And if I'm just a viewer who has never fought professionally and just a super fan and can see his mistakes over and over again, Herb can see it too. Mm. And I saw the writing on the wall. I was like, Soriano's going to cut that um, distance and eventually land a bomb as this kid keeps moving backwards with his, you know, and leaning back like that. He's becoming predictable. And that's what we saw. And it kept happening. So finally, Herb was like, this ain't going to change. Stop the fight. Like, you're killing him. So (laughs) I kind of agree. You know what I mean? Like, you could kind of see that was going to happen. I did. So can you imagine Herb Dean, what he saw in there, and also Soriana figured that out very quickly, and that was his opponent. So mm-hmm. everybody in there was like, "You finna get knocked out. You keep acting like this." So Herb was like, "No, no, no, that's enough. <laughs> I'm fine with the stoppage." It was, and I'm kind of shocked that Dusko's game plan and that huge, glaring defensive hole right there. I, from from the time he started doing it, I noticed it right away and was like, "Ah, oh, that's not a good idea, my friend." 
I don't know. What you yeah. think? Well, I was a little bit like, well, did you notice it, it too? Could have been a, Am I well, tripping? I, I thought it could have got. And I thought he could have gone on a little bit longer because he was obviously still in the game. Still, he's he he, he wasn't like um, well delirious in any way, shape, or form. Right, I, I he did really roll on his back too. Yeah, I, I I thought to myself, well, maybe they're doing this because they're on ABC and they don't want no. anything that looks too kind of like savage or looks as though you know one guy is um, definitely on the way out and. Just from a novice point of view, somebody looking at that might think, okay, why haven't they stopped the fight? So that's what was playing in the back of my mind. But, you know, all in all, no, great stoppage. Yeah, I think Herb saved his life. That's what I think I meant to say. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, he he saw (laughs) what was eventually going to happen, which was just a Mm. beating. He, you know, Soriano was cutting that distance and landing those looping punches or those straight rights because Dusko's defensive mistakes. I mean, the writing was on the wall. So Herb was like, I don't want to see this kid die. So he stopped the fight, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, one which was unequivocal uh, mm. in which way to call it, Joaquin Buckley. Now, this is the highlight king going in against... Alessio Chiricho. Now, for me, this guy, growing up, I was a, a, a very, very big fan, of, or massive fan, of um, the Submariner. He looks as though he could play the Submariner. Oh, Seriously. shit, he does. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> I didn't think that. Oh, my God. Now, going into this, I thought, you know, this is going to be lambs to the slaughter. Me too. No one, no one, I don't care what anybody says, no one could have predicted that KO. Alessio came in there like the lamb to the slaughter and left like he had slaughtered <laughs> He did. Slaughtered the lamb. He did. Because I, I, I don't want to kind of like put too fine a point on it, mm. but, you know, the way in which that was meant to transpire, no one can tell me that, you know, they saw that playing no. out in the no, way that I it mean, did. How about you? Listen, Mike. Joaquin Buckley is beatable. And I and every time we discuss him, I'm always like, this guy can knock him out. Remember his last fight, Jordan um, somebody. I remember I was like, oh, yeah. I'm surprised, you know. Yeah, I was like, I'm I surprised Jordan did not give him a harder fight. Because I think even though he's the highlight king, he's beatable. Mm. I just didn't think Alessio was going to be the guy to beat him. And I picked Joaquin to kind of knock no. him out and land at some point. But Alessio is well-rounded. And, Mike, we all know that when you're facing... When you're on skid row and the next fight says you're going to be cut or you're going to, you know, (laughs) or continue fighting in the UFC, sometimes that brings out the fire in your ass. And that's what we saw. He had, yeah, he was going to get cut. He's got three losses in a row. He was out of here. And he's Mm -hmm. not a big name. You understand? Like, he was going to get cut. So he had to do what he had to do. And he was precise. He was measured. I noticed he was cool waiting on Joaquin. And I was like, he's fighting wisely. And then the head kick came. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, man. You know, speaking mm-hmm. of gonna get cut, and uh, you know, fighters feeling as though they have to take fights now, and they have to go in there and give like an A one performance. Do you think that was the whole point of actually this whole fanfare around right sixty fighters? They're about to get cut. Do you think that was the whole intention to put a rocket up the fighters' ass so that they could actually put in these stellar performances? Because of late. 
some have really been going hell for leather especially like those who have like a losing streak and they're going into their yeah. fights of a losing streak you know something tells me especially when you look at those who have been cut yeah. it's not 60 is Mike, it i think what you're talking about is how dana white has beautifully revamped the culture of the ufc it is purely knock this person out mm. and provide entertainment or you're going to be left in the dust no matter who you are you understand like look at the contender and series yeah go when ahead. we offer you a fight yes that's take what it. he is slowly just like making it the culture of the company take the fight we fucking give you take the money yep. we give you and you perform mm. and you put on a knockout mm. You understand that's and he's been doing that for a while when it was on tough. What did he say? Don't let the um, decision go. What is it? Don't let the judges go to the decision. What's that saying he had for years? Don't. <laughs> don't let there the fight you go. go. And the, then now the, the what judges. is it on the contender series? You know, he pushes for the knockout. You know, Joaquin Buckley gets a knockout of the mm. century. Now he's getting fights, you know, back to back. Kevin Holland takes fights quickly. He de- he delivers. He gets another fight. He's he's revamping the culture. He's teaching them put on a fucking show or else. So yes, that's what you're talking about. Quick question, yeah. Mike. Did you hear Alessi mm. uh, post fight speech? It was the strangest shit I done ever heard. You heard that? <laughs> it was hella weird. And that, and that was what I was going to ask you. That was going to be my question. He dissed John Anik. He dissed John Anik by saying, look, you should interview the loser. Nobody well wants to hear scrambled eggs, sir. Then, Shut up. I don't point. ever want to hear no loser get it, on the well, mic. Did you hear um, Calvin Cater when we get up there? Blah, 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 blah. I didn't understand a thing he said. No, thank you, Alessia. Thank because you. Because his head was scrambled. But yeah, we will get up there. But I, I think that, you know, Alessia's got a point. Look. There should be a greater concentration if they have the wherewithal to speak to the loser. I get that. But the way in which he dropped his point and then bounced, it was like really, really weird. I, that was the only thing. Make a point, yes, but then think, talk about your fight. I think Don't this young man bounce. is so used to losing, he doesn't know what to do when he got the mic after he won. <laughs> and according to Dana, and Dana said the same thing. Wow. According to Dana, when he went backstage to congratulate them, the whole camp looked at him like, who the fuck are you? Those people are not accustomed to winning. So when they finally won, motherfuckers was like, what? What do we say? Holy shit. Interview the loser. I'm still mad about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, he didn't know... He didn't know what to do, but meanwhile, one, <laughs> yeah. you sound crazy. No one wants to hear a concussed fighter. Every time they give Chris Weidman the fight after he gets knocked the mm-hmm. fuck out, I'm always at, like, the verge of tears. Please, I don't want to hear it. And then secondly, I'm old school. I don't believe in second place trophies. You don't finish first, get the fuck out of here. Learn to be a winner. I hate to sound like Donald Trump, but I'm old school. I don't believe in a participation trophy. Sorry, Alessio. If you lose, the mic goes to the winner. That's just how life is. I didn't, you know, but I don't. You know, I'm not, I don't mean to like rag on him or nothing. I'm just being like old school and disciplined Mm -hmm. and and I'm not like making fun of him or anything, but I just, I don't side with his view at all. (laughs) You see, I do. I, I think he does have a point where, you know, the loser does have their wits about them and, you know, they're nursing their, their, their loss. Yes. But, you know, there are instances where people do want to be vocal and really do want to vent about what actually happened but you're denying them that because you're saying you're not good enough to get Mm -hmm. the mic my brother yeah i mean pretty much (laughs) i mean like i said i'm old school i don't believe in second 
place trophies. If I had children, you know, I've been hearing that sometimes, like the kids nowadays, you get a trophy if you if you're in fourth place or something. Like I don't believe in that. It's yeah, it's a parent's job wow. to build you up to, nah. to like. I don't believe in that, and I think you <laughs> soften the culture when you do that. So when Alessia said that, I. One, again, yeah. you're not used to winning. You talking crazy. And two, <laughs> like, that's just how it is. Life is unfair. I'm sorry. And also, too, when you're a huge star, the loser yeah. does get the mic. That's why Chris Weidman mm. can talk concussed. Because, like, when two champions, you know, when a former champ fights a champ or whenever it's a big deal for a main event, we do talk to them. Yeah. So are you not there yet? Win more fights, get famous, and we'll talk to you, too, when you lose. <laughs> <laughs> but no knock on him though. I, I really wow. think they're not accustomed to the to fighting after winning. And also there's probably a language barrier, a cultural barrier. You know, when you hear him speak, he's directly from yeah. Italy. So hats to him though, it doesn't take away from his performance. Do you know that that mm, exactly Italy so I'm clowning up. him, but I'm actually his performance was stellar and I hope he keeps it up. And mind you, Jacqueline Buckley only landed three strikes the whole fight, man. Wow. Shit. Wow. Mm. Wow. Moving on. Oosh. Your guy, Santiago Ponzinibbio and Lee <sighs> Yang. It was, a, it was a rough one for me, Mike. I, I mean, what I was. What did you make of this? <laughs> you know what I made of it. I just. Right. Sp- it's almost like therapy right it. now. Let me put my feet up like I'm in the doctor's office. Um, I'm a fan of Santiago, but however, <laughs> ring rust is a huge problem with him, I see. Not everybody can come back and just look dope. Some people are rusty, and I think that's what we that that's what we saw. And secondly, Mike Hold on, can can we just can we just take a break? If 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 you're happy to you know to speak on this, because I, I know I know it affected you deeply. <laughs> if you wanna pause if you wanna <laughs> take fact, a break. Let me get some water, thank you, Mike. <laughs> Like when you look out for me, <laughs> because because I know this is making you I mean, I, very emotional, and um, I want to look I, out for you. Well, I, I love to clown you, but I I also I, I I'm I'm respectful of your feelings. You know, coming into this, I know Santiago Ponzinibbio was your guy. Seven fight but, um, win streak, you know, Mike, down just, the just, toilet. Just, just. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, this guy is beatable. It was you that put me on to Lee. Yeah, it was me. It was you that put me on to Li Jing Liang, though. You, no. you said he's no slouch. This was the guy mm-hmm. who you respected. But I remember that the conversation that we had. It was something along the lines of, you know, Ponzinibbio is gonna gonna wax that ass. Yeah, I, I thought something so, along those lines. Because I think Santiago Ponzinibbio, mm. if he still had the momentum from that seven fight win streak and had not gotten ill, I think he would have beat this yeah. kid. I think he would have been able to figure out that herky-jerky movement and timing because that was giving Santiago a problem. And I think even in his prime or when he yeah. was really smoking, Santiago probably still would have struggled with that but would have figured it out because he wouldn't have had ring rust and knocked him out. But I think the combination of the ring rust and having mm-hmm. to adjust to such an unorthodox fighter that is dangerous no matter where he is, because notice Santiago overextended on the punch. But meanwhile, Jing Liang, this, this hook that he, he threw two days ago was still coming around and hit him. So, yep. <laughs> you know, like, yep. I just think Santiago in better form and more consistent would have been able to figure it out and win. And I did not take into consideration the ring rust. And that's what we saw. I... Oh, I, I know he's your guy, but I don't think I don't think the ring ah. rust was any factor here that really? played into the loss. I tell you why. Look, Jing Li, uh, Jing, um, sorry, Li Jing Liang, 
put on an unbelievable performance, unexpected performance, and a jaw-dropping performance. It was a case, I know it's his cliche, it was a case of precision beating speed. That was a precise exocet missile that just launched his chin. And it landed squarely. You can, you 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 got to give him the respect that he deserves. He was no, just better. I agree. Come he on. he was better. But I just think that the Santiago that I know and love from the seven fight win streak is better mm. than Li Jiang. Even though I think Li Jiang is a is a mm. phenomenal fighter and a problem in this division, yet but still beatable. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think Santiago mm. was better than him. And if I'm telling you, if he didn't have ring rust, I think he could have beat him. I still think he would have struggled with that herky-jerky movement. I don't think it would have just been clean either. We would have had a good competitive fight is what I'm saying. But with Santiago winning, I just think. Yeah. I mean, Mike, the fight was how long? It was one round. I Of mm. course it was ring rust. Look how he couldn't yeah. cut the range. Look how he was like, wait, uh, uh, you could see him like, what the fuck? Uh, 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 no, reset, come back in. And I was like, oh, God, he's rusty. He's rusty. He's rusty. But, I mean, who knows, Mike? <laughs> Only Santiago knows, and he hasn't. I don't believe he's made any statements yet, but I am waiting on him to, like, his camp to say what was the issue. And also, Mike, shout out to you for sending me a reminder as to why maybe I shouldn't be such a huge fan of this guy. <laughs> yeah. I w- you, you took my next question out uh-huh. of my own mouth there because okay I sent you mm-hmm. the the reminder and it, the reminder was you know Ponzinibbio it looks like his dog Clipped with his ears N-word. pinned back with yeah. some kind of like knitting now uh, with the n-word like as the strap line and I'm like, like just leave us really? alone right Gee, this like, is your guy when I saw that I wanted every time <laughs> I see people or fighters talk shit about gays or black people or black lives matter I wanted I just feel like I'm mm. minding my business and mm. here y'all come if y'all don't leave us alone and just mind your own ethnic business. You know, like, leave black people alone. Leave gay people alone. Like, when I saw that, I was like, great, Santiago. Again, you have a, you have alienated and offended somebody that loves you a fan. Will y'all chill out? Damn. Just to go off a tangent, it wasn't an hard ER. Oh, it doesn't the matter what's up to my N-word yeah, wasn't... Yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to get your take on this then. Because, okay, let me give you a, a few scenarios. Ponzinibbio posted this and with the N-word plastered over it. So what if he was singing along to Gin and Juice? Or he was, he was singing along to, uh, you know, one of Jay-Z's hits. Is he... A POS? Is he a piece of shit for saying, you know, the lyrics of yes. the song? I'm, I wouldn't say, listen, I would not say he's a piece of shit, but I would say yeah. it's inappropriate. It's a racial slur. Mm. As a black person, I don't use that word. If I am around you mm. or anybody else and, and that song comes on, I'm not using the N word. And I am black. You know what I'm saying? And we all know. And we yes, oh, wow. and that's how you change the culture surrounded about that word. If you don't want people using it in any context, mm. you yourself as a person of color cannot use that word. That's me. So, yes, whether it's a hard ER or just the slang Snoop Dogg type of way of saying it, it's still a racial slur and we need to move past that. But I still kind of, I, I still want to see this guy fight in the cage. I just know that he's got some issues here that we probably, <laughs> Santiago, I'd love to have you on the show and talk about it. But <laughs> I'm still going to cheer for him when I watch his fights because I am a fight fan. But I am disappointed with the clipping of the, the cutie's ear, the little dog and... You know, I hate the N-word, so 
What can you do? You see, I'm I, I'm in the ice cube um, realm when you know he talks about look, let's disempower, let's disenfranchise, let's actually take this um, word exactly. out of the um, equation when it comes to um, being derogatory. We tried that, but white people took so it over. Which, no, we know, tried that. We made it our word. You don't remember? We we <laughs> rapped about it. We referred to each other yeah. as it. And then when white people said yes. it, we were like, what'd you say? They're not having it. <laughs> and that's what it. I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Surely, though, by it actually um, having the lack of currency, surely that um, should be well on its way then to, well, I suppose realizing for want of a better example, Ice Cube's dream of it being no longer that offensive word because we own it now. We've we've actually taken over the currency and we have but desensitized what? the word. See, yeah. I, I'm going to sound like a hypocrite here because I personally haven't got a problem with using the word in the context of right, rap. Right, right, right. I wouldn't, like, you know, go to go to a friend and say, right, "What right, up, right. my?" And, you know what I mean? I, I that's not me. Right. That, that's not my vernacular. Now, okay. I might drop into slang now and again, but, you know, by and large, I'm talking like this on a day-to-day basis. So uh, my my question, I suppose Mm -hmm. I'm going to kind of like end off by saying, by desensitizing it, by taking it back, by giving it less of a bite and a sting, surely, surely... Ponzi Nibio gets Michael, a pass because that's the context are all, in which like, he's Where using are it. you right now? You and Ice Cube, where did y'all go? I understand <laughs> what you are trying to say, but that mission failed a long time ago. <laughs> Do you understand? Like, I was one of those people. I used to use wow. that word all the time and only use it around black people and not use it around white people. What happens, though, is that white people, especially racist mm. ones, don't give a fuck. They don't respect the N-word code, that it's our word. You gave it to us. We yeah. took it back. We made it popular. It's for us to using only us white people don't want to hear that you can't tell mm, white people mm. what to do they have their rights <laughs> so you know what I'm, look look at the mass look at <laughs> look at look at the stuff and i know i'm generalizing everybody and i'm also being a clown so don't you know hang me for this i'm just literally having a conversation with my friend and generalizing however reality check yeah. mike for you and ice cube we tried it we failed we tried to make the mm-hmm. word our own it's not the white people are mad they want to say it and because they want to say it we don't say it no more end of story so, but at the same time, Mike, I'm not ready to lynch him for this. You know, and I'm mm. not saying like, oh, you know, he's in a hate group. We should, you know, like if Pontanibio knocked on my door right now, I'd be like, come on in. And then I'd talk about that word with him. But I'm not saying like burn him to a stake. You know what I'm saying? But he has some yeah. things that I would like to hash out with him and maybe just let him know my point of view. And maybe he'll think differently about using that word. That's what I mean. I'm not saying hang the brother, mm-hmm. you know, but... Mike, we got to go back to MMA. You know these people like, when you get back to the fights. <laughs> <laughs> so, in getting back to the fights, Carlos Condit, the natural born killer versus Matt the Immortal What Brown. I make of what it is that I want to slap your face. Because last week, I brought this up with enthusiasm. And you were like, no, not really. I don't care. And I was you like, did. Mike... I, you mm. killed the vibe. Like, Americans are excited about this old-ass matchup. And it's so funny. Fucking KGB in Canada said the same shit. And I was in the DMs like, well, y'all just let us be happy <laughs> these two old heads are finally fighting. God damn it. And guess what, Mike? They came out and they fought and it was fun. Tell me it was fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it was, it was. And, you know, just to put that into context, the reason why it didn't really do anything, didn't mm-hmm. float my boat, didn't get me excited ahead of last night was because we'd seen that matchup so many times yeah. and it didn't come to fruition. It was like, right. I'm so and over this now. Plus, I mean, come on. C- come on, they are a little bit past their due date. <laughs> but, I mean, mate, they, they kind of like closed my mouth last night because for me, that was Carlo Condit's, one of his best, his career best. That's, I mean, that talk about yeah. living up to his yeah. name, Natural Born Killer. And, uh, you know, it, immortalizing the I mean, immortal. they both, look they looked great. Looked like, fantastic. first and foremost, I love that Carlos Condit was like, you know what, I'm tired of being controlled on the ground. I love that when he was taken down, yeah. he yeah. got up and then he was like, bitch, don't forget, I know how to wrestle too. I'm going to take you down. And he hit that beautiful takedown. Yeah, Ooh. you see that side Lord swipe. Have mercy. I, st- yeah. I stood up. I jumped from the chair like, Carlos, what you doing? Like, I was like, wow. And then Matt Brown, mm. his killer self came out hard in his face and then guess what your takedown defense sucks i'm taking you down he just couldn't control him on the ground and but i love yeah. the effort but i did get sad because mm. we all know carlos condit throws those awkward combinations and it always ends with some head kick that lands remember that gsp kick yeah 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 yeah, yeah. he was throwing that against matt brown but because he's old it was a little slower and he couldn't connect you know what i'm saying like a part of me was like oh i remember when he used to hit that shit and we used to be like oh head kick out of nowhere where how did he throw that up he kept doing it but he's a little slow now but i still love the fight you know what i'm saying mm. and yeah, also yeah. mike 30 27 can we talk about it mm. who the fuck was judging last night 30 27 <laughs> Yo, Mike, no bullshit. I almost missed Dom Cruz last night because Dom Cruz, if he was on the mic, he'd have been like, the judge is a boxing judge. He's 5'8". He lives at 3 Cedar Road, and he ain't shit. <laughs> I wanted Dom Cruz last night to expose the judge. Usually he does. 30, and he smells of alcohol Mike? and beer. Yeah, right. He'd have been like, I saw him smoking by the exit before the fight, y'all. It's true. But you know Dom Cruz don't play. I mean cigarettes and beer. But anyway. Dom Cruz don't play. So that judge, 30-27. I mean, Mike, talk to me. What do you think? 30-27? Well, this isn't kind of like a new thing. It does seem to be kind of like a recurring problem in terms of judging. And I think we've, we've actually touched on this. But moving swiftly on, Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. Now, Mm. man. Man, oh man, this is what I'm talking about when I say home run. Imagine you're tuning into this. This is the first fight that you get to see on network television. Beautiful feints, exceptional speed. The combos were like something out of a video game. The shit talking, my God. The the, 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 the mid-round kind of like commentary from Mm -hmm. Max Holloway. And just basically aggression from round one to round five it was just the peppered way in which the peppered way in which max holloway machine gun style was just going body body head it was incredible to see he bullied cater he bullied calvin cater into it into his next lifetime yeah it was it was almost sad like I was enjoying it, but then at the same time, I was like, yo, Calvin Cater's getting sunned in this bitch. Mm. I was like, holy shit. But, Mike, I will say this. I'm going to tap myself on the back. I knew Max Holloway was going to blast this boy across the ring. I just didn't think that it would be this bad. Like that, yeah. Yeah, because I'm sorry. I picked Max because Max is just a better fighter. When Max is not fighting for the 
uh, champion, he is the champion, period. He's elite. He's either one or two. That is not Calvin mm-hmm. Qatar. He's not getting past Max Holloway until Max Do starts think- to decline. <laughs> like, he's better than Calvin. He obviously heard his pre-fight interview where Kader's talking about you know, him being the senior and uh, Max Holloway being the freshman in terms of boxing because stopping mid-round and like shouting over to Dan Hardy and saying, I have the best boxing in the UFC. Slipping punches and landing while not looking at his opponent. <laughs> yes! Calvin yes. better shut his mouth and go back to, to learning to be a better boxer than Max. You are not the best. And I heard that, and I didn't say a thing. I was just like, no, you're not, Calvin. You have power, and you're a great <laughs> boxer. Max is better than you. You know, mm. like, don't confuse power and on the volume striking. Just because Max doesn't, like, knock people out, his volume striking is superb and can, can just trump Calvin Cater's power, and that's what we saw. He ate the heavy shots that Calvin hit him with, but he out-volumed him. He just, he made yeah. the living shit out this kid. And mm, you know what I mm. love so much about this game plan? I don't know if Max knew this already or from the tape or whatever. Calvin Qatar is very t- um, technically sound defensively, and he's very well aware of his defense. So Max, to me, it looked as if he was like, I'm going to high volume this guy because he's going to just have to worry about defense the whole time. And I think and it's did. pretty smart to do that to somebody that mm-hmm. is known to be defensive. And that's what we saw all night. Calvin moving back, hands up, high guard, bringing his elbow down to block the body shots. That's all he was worrying about. Good plan, you got, Max, with that. Go you you got to commend Calvin Cater, though. I mean, those elbows, especially when they were raining down in oh, round four. Hard. I really did... I really did think for a second there that the fight was going to be called off because he was there was no coming back from that and it was just like blood everywhere. It was like, it's come on, someone yeah. throwing the towel or something. I was expecting, half expecting, for Dan Harley to shout, "Stop the fight! Stop right, the or fight!" Or jump in there and stop in his damn self. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah. that's but that's why to go back to that question you had asked me before. That's how I know that those referees were not even thinking about ABC because that that fight could have been stopped in the fourth round yeah. when when yeah, he was just right. standing there all fucked up but was out of it. You know, he mm. Calvin Qatar put on a good poker face and he just his legs would not give out, but you know he wanted to die, but he was in there to win it as well. He just couldn't Did you and he see wasn't his going nose? down. It was mush. Did you see the blood on his chest and his whole body? It was just, it was just a bloodbath. Yeah. Oh, I think I think you nailed it because you know there's no other way to actually describe it. He got fucked up. Yo, he, I tweeted it. I was like, yo, he's beating the shit out of this kid. No, nothing more, nothing less. It was, mm. and I expected this. I just didn't expect it to be this beautiful and this horrific. You know, I, I did expect Calvin to drop Max at least once, or to have him like retreating or kind of, you know, getting his wits together. Because Max is hittable, and we've seen him kind of been on shaky legs before. You know, we've seen yeah. him get hit hard by Dustin Poirier, and I expected Calvin to bring at least that killer shot. We seen him rock Steven um what's it Jeremy Stevens we've seen him yeah. rock Shane Burgos I expected to see that against Max and we did not we saw some hard shots but we didn't see anything really phase Max or almost mm-hmm. take him out of there and that shocked but, me but Ugh. given how one-sided this was because mm-hmm. it was one-sided from pillar to post from start to finish Facts. Do you call this like fight of the year, given how one-sided it is for, for no. me? You know, one um, a, a fight of the year is where you have a trade, where mm-hmm. you have something which looks, you know, vaguely competitive, but 
this was a one-sided beatdown. But people are calling like, you know, okay, we are in January, but they're saying it's a fight of the year contender. Yeah, I I was hearing that and I kind of was like, nah, this is performance of, this is like Max Holloway's performance of the year or perhaps um, performance of a lifetime. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? But Mm. for me, a fight of the year is as competitive as JJ and and, um, Wiley Zhang. It's as competitive as Dustin Poirier and Dan Hooker, two people going at it. What we saw was a beatdown last night. That's not fight of the year. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like. He beat the shit out of that kid. It was all about Max last night and also about Calvin's toughness. To me, that doesn't make for fight of the year, but perhaps a performance of the year for the fighter, Max Holloway. I don't know. We'll see. But I did see people yeah. saying that. But, Mike, you know people get caught up. They bias. It's ha- the dude was talking shit out the side of his neck. People losing their mind. They're like, <laughs> oh, my God, oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? Even myself, I tweeted, like, I feel like I just had sex. You know, like, because yeah, I did. Yeah. I wanted a cigarette. I saw like, that. Yeah, like, we lost our minds, but now that, you know, we've slept, we've rewatched the fight and stuff, I think people will lean towards my angle of things, like, it's got to be a bit more competitive for fight of the year, Mm. you know? No, I'm with you there, I'm with you there. You know, just before we go, um, I know we are back midweek, but again, we're we're being spoiled, Um, Michael Chiesa and Neil Magny. Yes. any, any thoughts on that just before we wrap up? I know, you know, obviously we're going to be talking about it post-fight, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, in terms of what your expectations are for that, Michael Chiesa and Neil Magny, any, any thoughts? I think Magny is going to uh, beat Michael Chiesa. I think he's, again, I just think he's the better fighter and he's going to prevail, Yeah, you know? Um, but this I'm, I'm fight is wildly important. Page. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's wildly important and then also, don't forget, Mike, reminder, Lerone Murphy is fighting Douglas Silver, the wild man, De Andrade. I made that nickname up. That's not his name. But <laughs> reminder, Mike, our man is fighting Lerone. Let's go. Can't wait to see that. And especially it being a two o'clock kickoff. What does that mean for you guys? And is that like uh, is that like nine o'clock in the morning or something like that? I believe so. But, you know, Mike, no problem. Set an alarm, drink coffee. I'll be right there with you. And I'm happy. Wow. That you can, you're enjoying these midday fights. I think I saw in the yeah. chat mentioning pizza or something. I was like, look at you. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to push the boat out, and it's nice not to be falling asleep whilst you're eating right? as well. Yeah, I went out look, after but, the the fight yesterday. I was like, since when? Usually, I go to bed all fucked up and shit, and and, and yeah. reeling from the fight. I had to call an Uber and went about my business. Like I was like, this wow. is nice. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, if there's no more for any more, um, I guess we'll catch up on the midweek edition of Shots Fired with Chisanga and Kairos. Yeah, it's been a good table discussion. We need to talk that shit.